Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, just slip up your hand and uh, we want to get one to you. Right there, perfect. So slip up your hand if you don't have a Bible and if you do, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 16. So some of you might be wondering, I thought we were in the Gospel of Mark. Well, we are, um, but I want to take, uh, before we hop into that, I want to take a Sunday, because we're going to keep going through the Gospel of Mark, but I want to take a Sunday to basically share with you some of the vision that God's been giving me for our church in this new year. Um, what we'll do, though, is we're going to go to several different New Testament passages uh, all over uh, the scriptures to really draw out what that vision is. But before we do that, I want to take you back to something that happened to me um, back in May of 2015. May of 2015 is when I was asked to be the lead pastor of the church. And the church was pretty young. It only been going on a couple years. And I was a part of it in the beginning, but then was asked to take um, that new role to kind of lead the entire thing. And I had a visionary experience. That's the best word I have for it. Uh, that summit in May of 2015. And what was going on was... I was seeking the Lord in prayer and just having one of those moments of saying, essentially, Lord, I need to hear from you. I need you to communicate to me what your vision is for this church. They've now said that I'm the lead person and I'm the decision maker and it's all kind of coming from me. And I'm keenly aware that I'm not adequate to lead this thing. And so I need to know. Instead of coming up with my own, what is your vision? What do you want to see Grace Athens do and be about? Um, I just knew that if it was not God's original idea, Grace Athens, and it was just something we came up with and said, hey, let's go start this church, and it wasn't really from the Lord, I just knew it wasn't worth it, and I knew it wouldn't work. There was no point in calling people together. There was no point in risking things. There was no point in even trying. And so just imagine that's kind of where my head is at. That's where my emotions are at. Like, God, you have to show me what you really want this thing to be about. By the way, in our old house, we had this before we had kids, so we had an extra room. So we created this prayer room. And it was, I don't know, imagine like walking into like a Turkish hookah bar kind of setting. I don't know if that makes sense for any of you. But like... No chairs, nothing but rugs, pillows all around. I mean, it, was, it felt like a very spiritual place, okay? Whether or not it was, I don't know. But the aesthetics worked for the room. And so I, I'm in there. We have no kids. I think Danielle's probably at work. And I'm just seeking the Lord. And I had what I would call a pretty dramatic encounter with the living God, the kind of stuff you read about in the Bible. And I, I, I won't get into all the details, but in that moment... I feel like God really gave me what he wanted to see Grace Athens be and do. And it all boiled down into one kind of major statement. And the statement goes like this, that Grace Athens is to be a center and sender for the kingdom of God. That's it. To be a center and a sender for the kingdom of God. Of God. We're going to get more into what that means, what I think that means to the Lord, 
But really clearly, May of 2015, in that moment, that was just burning in me, that that's what he wanted. A center to gather people to the presence of God, to the things of God, for people to grow in the Lord, a center of real kingdom activity. But not just that, a center of people, sent people into their different lives all across town that were sent with divine purpose to extend the kingdom of God way beyond the four walls of the church, but into schools and into homes and into rec teams and into all kinds of dark and needing places all throughout our town. A center and a sender for the kingdom of God. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God in the parables that we've already read in Mark chapter 4, he talks about them in such a way that they spread. The kingdom of God is supposed to spread and to penetrate into all kinds of different areas. He likens it to uh, a tree, the, the, the mustard tree that grows and expands bigger than any other tree. Or he likens it to, to yeast that expands in dough. And so center and sender the kingdom of God. Before we go to some of these texts, I want to tell you what's happened since May of 2015 when I felt like God spoke that to us as a church. Um, I've seen God fulfill that vision for the last eight years. This week, I just really took time, you know, beginning of the year, I'm sure you did this, reflecting on what has been and what could be and a making some resolutions, you know, hopefully you don't, you know, end them in like a week or so, right? Resolutions, I stay away from those, you know. I, mean, I make like small little, I'm going to try and do this. I don't know, everyone's personality is different. You do resolutions, do it, great. But for me, they just don't work. So I'm reflecting, and I'm thinking about the last eight years and how I've seen God fulfill that vision that Grace Athens has been a center and sender for the kingdom of God. I've seen God fulfill it without a full-time staff, I've seen God fulfill that vision without a building. I've seen God fulfill that vision many years with like pennies for the budget. Um, I've seen God fulfill that vision without enough adults in the room to really help carry it. Uh, in the early years, I mean, it was, you know, like if you were 23, you were an elder in the church, you know? I mean, it was young, 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 young. I've seen God fulfill it with all kinds of change and organizational instability. I mean, some of you know our story. This is probably like the 10th venue we've been in. I've talked with many different pastors and leaders who said, you shouldn't be here. This church should not have a ministry going today. All the different things that you've come up against and all the different things you have not had. Why is this still here and why is God still using it to touch so many different lives. Over the last eight years, I've seen God change all kinds of things. People, places, institutions, whole neighborhoods. Thinking of Pineview. Anyone is familiar with Pineview? Still known as the Christian ghetto. Um, Seeing God do all kinds of different things. And I could name hundreds of names of people that God called and gathered to the center of the kingdom and has now sent them out. And they're living with all kinds of divine purpose all over the country. And as I've reflected on that, to me what's really clear, especially with all the different 
uh, things that we've lacked as a church organizationally on that side of things. I look at all that and I come to one simple conclusion. Only God could have done that. Only God could have done all of those different stories. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories that make up the Grace Athens story. And because of that, only God really gets the glory. I've also seen, this is me reflecting, I've also seen us fall short of that vision. Over the last eight years, I've seen so many people come and go, uh, so many names I could name who were here just for a time. Um, I've seen, if I'm honest with you, probably more consumers than contributors over the last eight years, more attenders than builders. I've watched certain members of our church, and you know who you are, carry the entire load of the church like they strapped a, a giant you know, chapel onto their back. And they've carried it, as I've seen other people over the last eight years just kind of watch and let them do that. I've seen, this is an honest reflection, by the way, I, I've seen myself fall short of the vision at times. I've seen myself grow into a weariness that caused me to retreat. I've seen myself lack the conviction and boldness to really set a direction and stick to it. I could go on and on of how I think I've fallen short at times. Here's what's interesting. This is what happens with anything God does. I've seen two things happen over the last eight years. I've seen failure and I've seen fruit. Isn't that how everything works in God's world? There's failure because he asks us to be a part of it. But there's also fruit because God works through the hands of weak sinners like us. Fruit and failure is what I've seen. And I've seen so many people sacrifice for this vision. I've seen them give all that they had to it. Because Grace Athens has just never really gathered a people who said, I just want to go to church. I just want to check that box and I just want to go to church and I'm Southern, so that's what I do, you know? I just haven't seen that. What I've seen, majority of people that have been with us over the eight years is people who say, I don't want church just to be something I attend. I want it to be a lifestyle. Like, I want it to be what I read about in the New Testament. I don't want just a church to go to. I want a kingdom adventure to do with a group of people. I want to walk with people and grow with people and be sent out to do something more than just do a nine to five and raise some kids. And so I've seen amazing people that God has gathered here. Here's what I want to tell you, and then we're going to break it down what what that means, I think, center and sender. Is that it's my belief, you know, this is kind of dumb to say, it's incredibly obvious, but none of us know the mind of God. The infinite, all-knowing, ever-expanding, no limitation mind of God. No one knows that, right? And all this complexities and depths. Like, for example, uh, one of the quotes I love to say is, is that, you know, we think of the internet and AI and all these informational systems as these, like, massive, complex systems that seem to never end. And those things are like but a, like, like a tiny speck in the infinite mind of God. But there are times when God will let you in and he will show you what is on his mind and on his heart for a people and for a place. And what I've seen consistently and what I believe is that almighty God 
managing this massive universe, for some reason, wants to see a church, a people, a living community that operates in the Athens-Oconee area in 2023 as a center and sender for his kingdom. I believe that. And because of that, I believe this is the only thing that God is building towards here at our church, is that kind of vision. And so I want to break down what that means at the beginning of this new year. And here's what I'll say before I take you to a text. If you're here, and you're not just visiting for the first time, and it's my belief that God's called you to be a part of this center and sender that he's building here. Not just to be here, but to join God in building it. God could have sent you to any church. And I know, like, you know, we shop around and it's, you know, we try and make it a spiritual thing. Like, what church am I going to decide? Often it's like, well, you know, I really like their music, you know. And um, I don't like their music or their preaching is terrible or great or whatever, you know. But I think God even works in that. In like some of our superficial tastes and desires for how we pick a church. And so I don't believe you're here on accident. And the reality is, if God's called you here, and the infinite mind of God wants to build a center and center here, not just for the last eight years, but for the next eight, then there's a certain role that you are to play here. Because I think in God's mind and economy, you're not here just to attend. You're not here just... To be a consumer, you're here to be a contributor and a builder. And there's, there's a certain role that only you can play. I can't play it for you, and you can't play it for each other. But there's something about your history with God. There's something about your passions. There's something about how you like to kind of get your hands dirty and help. There's something about your prayer life. I don't know. It's a thousand different things that only you can play. And so think about your life right now. Where do you work? What's your degree? Who are your children if you have kids? Who are you married to? What is your life? Got it? In that, it's my belief that he's called the people that are here to help Almighty God in building a center and center for the kingdom right here in Athens, Oconee. So... I want to take you some passages, and I want to show you that this building reality is what church is all about. So Matthew 16. Are you there? This is a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, and there's a really important truth that comes out of it. Jesus is asking them, who do people say that I am? There's all kinds of rumors of who he was. And then verse 15, he asked them directly, and we'll read from there. But who do you, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Look what he says here. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell 
shall not prevail or hold up against it. He goes on. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. What I want to draw out here is what Jesus says. In verse 18, when he's referring to the church, he says, and I will build my church. So right there, there's a few things you can take away. Number one, Christ is the ultimate builder of his church, which means thousands of local churches across the globe. Christ is the one ultimately building those. Okay. Second thing that you can take from that is that Building is a part of it. Expanding, growing is a part of it because as the church is built, the kingdom of God spreads. And then look at this. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand up against it. So in the mind of Jesus, the way church is supposed to work is it's supposed to be this ever-growing and expanding reality of people in different communities all over the globe that continues to expand and grow in such a way that it, it, it goes into areas where there's hell, where there's darkness. And what it says is, I will build my church at such a level that we will storm the gates of hell and we will pull out people who are in darkness. It's not a defensive reality. The church gets really out of whack when they play defense. Like, the world is bad. The culture is bad. We're just going to huddle in these holy huddles and, and not do anything in our community. You know, anything like that. We're holy. They're not us versus them. That's bad. We, we get into a really weird place. It's not Jesus' vision. His vision is building, expanding, storming the gates of hell and, and winning victory is how he sees it. Does that make sense? Big takeaway from that passage. Christ is the ultimate builder of his church. And his church is an offensive, not a defensive reality. Okay, I'm going to take you to three passages. Sword drills. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Who can get there first? Let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, I saw a hand up. Winner. You win. Well, nothing but great, I don't know, great Bible school. Chapter 3. We're working on this theme of building. Really, really important passage that really, really affects the members of the church. Verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. He's talking about the local church. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So he's speaking to us. Let each person, each church member, take care how they build. So the, the, the implication is you're already a builder, not an attender. Verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And he gives some instruction and a warning. He says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. 
Verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he or she will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer or she will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Stop there. What in the world is going on here? Let me break it down really quickly. Here's what's happening. He's talking about building the church with Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate builder, but he calls us to build with him, okay, in this world. And what it's talking about is that all of us will be held accountable for how we, how we go to church is the most plain way I can say it. You will be held accountable with either a great reward in the next life or it says suffering loss in the next life according to how you go about being a part of a local church. That's the most plain English I can give it to. It's a really important passage. He says, hey, if you build the right way, and he likens it to certain stones and metals and those sorts of things, and he's saying there's going to be a reward. But if you build in such a way with wood, hay, and straw where you're not really building, you're just consuming, he says in verse 15, then your work is going to be burned up. And you'll suffer loss. Though you'll be saved, because it's talking to Christians, you'll still be saved, right? It says, but only as through fire. But you'll suffer loss. You won't get that reward, that crown of righteousness that Paul talks about. So this is massive implications. In the Bible's mind, there's two kinds of ways you can do church. There's one way where you're just an attender and a consumer and not really building like Jesus talks about. And if that's what's going to happen, it says you're going to suffer loss. But it says if you're here and you're really here and you're fully engaged and you find how you can, you know, serve and be a part of what God's doing, then it says you'll build in such a way that you'll receive reward. And so just think of it this way to cap that off. The way we go about being a part of Jesus' local church has eternal implications. Eternal implications. And the whole thing it's focusing on is be a builder. What does Jesus say to churches? It's a building operation. We're expanding. We're growing. We're going into the gates of hell. Be a builder with me, Jesus is saying. And if you do that, not perfectly, but if you do that, that's true north for you, you're going to be blessed. Let me take you to the last passage I want to show you in this sequence. Another sword drill. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're building on the idea. So number one, Christ is the ultimate builder. Number two, he calls us to build with him. And then number three, I want to ask this question. What do we build with? What do we build with? Pick up in verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2. It reads, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, speaking of Jesus, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. It's talking about the church. To be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let me break down what this is saying. 
It likens us in verse 5 to living stones. Our life in the church is like a living stone. And it says, again, the builder language, all of these different stones are being built up into this spiritual house. Christ is the ultimate builder. You're called to build with him. What do you build with? Your life. You are a spiritual stone that Christ wants to to, to use and to be at work with to lay a stone or a brick as he's building and growing this spiritual house called Jesus' church. Does that make sense? So if we're not here and we're not all in for what God wants to do in 2023, then there's a stone missing in the wall. And it's a life. It's your life. Only you can bring the thing that you bring, right? You come to a potluck, you bring something, right? You brought the steak. Wow, you're, you're a good friend. You brought, you know, like the, 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 the plateware. That, that was me in college. Like, you know, you bring something to a potluck. You don't bring something, you don't get in, right? There's only something you can bring. And if it's not there, it's missing. In God's economy with his church, you are the something that you bring. You are a living stone. And if you don't come with who you are and what you have, then there is a hole in the wall of what God is building in the earth right now for his church and his kingdom. So I want to lay all that ark out for us. Here's where I want to conclude. If all that's true in Scripture, then what does God have us specifically building towards at Grace Athens? What are all these living stones supposed to be building here? That's what we said in the beginning. A center and a sender for the kingdom of God. Let's end by breaking down what I think those two things mean. First, we'll talk about center. I think the two primary things a center for the kingdom is, is it's a center of these two things, presence and people. Presence and people. I believe to be a center for the kingdom of God means God is there. It's a center for his presence, for his living reality and activity. The greatest compliment Danielle and I ever get about this church is this, yeah, when I visited, I just sensed the Holy Spirit there. When I've come to your gatherings or I've come to your house churches, I just, I just meet with God there. I just sense God's there and God's spirit is, is moving. That's the greatest compliment we can get. Because what a center for the kingdom is, it's a center of presence. And it's, here's what you find in scripture. God's manifest presence can grow in a community over time if that community is one who truly wants God there. How do you express that you want God to be a part of a people in a place? It's two main ways. It's prayer and it's worship. Now, there's other things that are important like holiness and all those things, but prayer and worship are the invite cards that you send to God that say, we want you here. You never go to a party if you don't know if you're invited. At least I don't. You might be bold, but you might need to get a check on your personality, okay? Like, you don't go anywhere or you don't feel like you're wanted and invited. What is prayer and worship? It's saying, God, you're wanted. 
We want you here among us. We want your presence, your life, and we want your activity. How do you know if God begins to become present among the people? Well, who's Jesus? Jesus is the living God among people in human form. So if what you read about in the Gospels of what Jesus did when he was with a people in a place, those different things, if they're happening in a church, then God's there. What you read about of what God did when he was with people is happening with those people today. And you can say, evidence, God's here. And I've seen that over eight years, but it can grow. What do I mean? I want when someone comes down and asks for prayer and they've got some kind of physical ailment going on or some kind of anxiety that's been ruling their life for five years. I want us to lay hands and pray like Jesus and like the early church did and see the presence of God heal them on the spot. Period. I want to see people that we invite who don't really know the Lord and when the gospel is preached through the preaching of the word, there's a power that breaks out in the room that brings them to conversion like we read about in the Bible. I've seen these things. I've seen fruit and I've seen failure. But to go to the next level where I think God wants us to go, and you know what? We're, everyone kind of knows this. We're much smaller than we were before COVID, right? This has become a smaller church. But God took 12 young, I don't want to call them fools, but I mean, they didn't have it all together. Then a wider group of 70, and a wider group of 120 of men and women, okay? God doesn't care about small. God cares about people who say, yes, I'm in. I don't know what it looks like. I don't have a lot of time. I'm really busy. I'm doing a degree. I'm raising kids. But I want my yes to be yes as much as it can be. I'm in. Just show me how. God will take that. And he will multiply those loaves and those fishes, and there will be a feast for Oconee and Athens to eat upon the living God. Center of presence. And it's a center of people. That's the second thing. Let me read from Ephesians 2. This is that center of presence I was talking about. It says, Ephesians 2, 19. I think we have, oh, excellent, there we go. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens... But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So talking about the church. Built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and whom the whole structure being joined together grows, there's that again, into a holy temple in the Lord. Look what it says. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What is the local church supposed to be? It's supposed to be, last verse, a dwelling place for God. How do you know if God's there? The things you read about in the Bible are happening. 1 Timothy 3.15 says this. It says, the church, it says, how's it go? You ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. How many churches... Is it just dead? Why is it dead? Because the living God is not moving there. What makes us alive is not because you walk in with a heartbeat. What makes us alive is because the living presence of God is among us. It's a center of presence and it's a center of people. This is where I think the Grace Church has gotten right really well for the last 40 plus years. Is we make it about people. It's not about programs here. 
Trust me, you won't find many. And if you did, they wouldn't be that good anyway. Okay? We're not about programs. We're about people. This is why we have communities from a mom's group to house churches to different manifestations of what that's looked like over the years. Is we want to gather people together to truly be what the Bible says. It says we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so we want to act like brothers and sisters. We want to be together and have the same father, which is God. And so there's something about being a center of people where it's about people's real lives. It's about their stories. I, could, I think my favorite thing is like when a, a guest comes, and whether you like it or not, we all have like little assumptions we have about this person. Oh, they kind of dress this way. Maybe they're like this. or It's really stupid, but we all do it, right? What I love is over the, the months as they're first here to get to know them and to break into their story. And, and I can tell you, like, like I'm thinking of Matt Nielsen right now. Some of y'all remember Matt Nielsen. He now lives in Mississippi with his wife and, and his daughter. But, but Matt Nielsen, I love the story of how I got to know him and how Matt is just forever now a part of my life. What the church is made up of is different people, life stories coming together to live a greater story of the kingdom. Acts 2, you see that. I don't have time to get into that passage, but many of you know it well. Acts 2 is the summary of what the church is supposed to be about, and it's all centered on being not a program, but a people. Let me move to the next one. I'm running out of time. We're a center of presence and people, then we're a sender of two main things. We're a sender of purpose and impact. Purpose and impact. What do I mean? What I mean is this. As you gather this center and we're a part of this as a people living in God's presence, what should happen is over time, you begin to know more of who you are in the Lord and what you're called to do in the Lord. And so you're a person that lives a sent life in this area and you live in such a way with divine purpose, right? You're not just, you're not just a stay-at-home mom, but you're a mom who prays for the neighbors in your neighborhood. You're not just there managing kids, but you're creating moments with kids and you're growing them up in the Lord because you know I'm divinely called to be the greatest mother I can to these three kids and raise them up as disciples of Jesus. I want them to be warriors in the kingdom, right? I'm just kind of going on. That's someone living with divine purpose. I'm a father who works at such and such a profession. Let's say you're a teacher, right? I want to be the kind of teacher who's not just there managing the things. And teachers, I know, like, my parents were educators. It's a lot that you do, and you don't get paid enough, okay? Amen? Amen. Let me move on. Let me pick a different example, because I don't want to put a big burden on you. Uh, let's see, I got anything listed. Business owner. There you go. You're making some money, right? You're a business owner. Who isn't just managing the business, but you're salt and light in the community, right? You're not just looking for how to make another buck, but you're looking how to have impact. You're living with purpose. And here's what happens. When you have a center of all these people living together, growing in the presence of God, and they live set lives, where they, they live out that divine purpose, what happens is great impact beyond the four walls of the church. So many churches are program-oriented, and they say, everyone just come here, we'll put on the program, and you'll get a lot out of it, and you'll go home blessed. That's a consumer model. I'm sorry we don't do that. That's not the model in Scripture. What we say is, 
gather here. Let's grow in the presence of God together. And then we want you individually to be sent out with that divine purpose. So the kingdom doesn't just stay in the four walls of the church, but it goes to that elementary school you work at over there. It goes to that attorney's office you work at over there. It goes to that mom's home over there in that neighborhood. When you make it based on people, then with purpose and impact, it's spread out widely amongst over. And so that's what we want. A sent people with divine purpose. Let me bring this to a real close. Let me go ahead and invite Will and the team to join me. center and center to impact, not just here, but all over the nation. We've sent people out everywhere. There's a certain thing that you bring. There's a certain history with God that you have. What does it mean practically? You're a praying person. What does it mean practically? You're, you're volunteering. You're, you're giving financially. All those things. You know what they are. But there's something deeper than that. It's a living stone. It's not just that you can do things. That's important. But you're a living stone that's here. And that who you are begins to rub off on each other. And we become more and more who God's called us to be. You find in Ephesians, the way it talks about the church, this is another metaphor that it uses, is that the church is the body of Christ. So we're this like one organism, and it's the body of Christ. It's it's quite mystical, if I'm honest with you. And it says that the head of the body is Christ himself. And that we make up like, I don't know, you know, I'm probably like a pinky toe, toenail or something. You know, I don't know whether you're a gallbladder. I don't know. Pick what you want. You know, you probably think you're a bicep, but if you think that, you're probably not. Okay? You're something in the body of Christ. If you think you're a bicep, God definitely wants to humble you. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a toenail. All right? Just accept it. Okay? The imagery in Ephesians is God takes all of these different parts of his body, just like our physical body, And the language is God's growing it up into what it says, mature manhood, so that it basically looks and functions and thinks and feels and does everything that Christ does. And so the idea is this. We are now, the church is now the physical representation of Jesus on the earth. Is Jesus' body here? Is Jesus still among us? Well, the story says he resurrected, but then he ascended to heaven. And he sits enthroned over all the cosmos. Okay? But at the same time, it says in the scriptures that we are the body of Christ. Here's what it means. When someone off the street meets the church, they should meet Jesus. We should be like him. We should look like him. But it ain't going to go well. If we're missing a hand or missing a foot, even a donut, God wants all of this body together that you feel like you belong here. 
that we know your name and you know ours and I get to know your story and you know mine. Look, we're small enough. We can get to know each other. Many of us do. But that we belong where we're loved and accepted and, and wanted. But also that we've got a purpose here. We're called to build something and be something. And as we do that, Christ grows this body into a mature, living person is what grace happens. And it's the living person of Jesus Christ. So that when anyone comes in contact with us, it's mystical, but they come in contact with the living Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that this wouldn't fall on deaf ears or cold hearts. You've called us to an adventure together. Some of us are still getting to know each other. But you call the people here. I pray for every individual here, every soul, every heart. Those that have been called to be builders, that you would speak to them now. They would have a conviction. They would be inspired. They'd be compelled to say, I'm in. I don't know what that means. I even know Pastor John can tell me what it means. But I'm in. It's a yes. I want to be a part of your local church, your living body, what you're doing in here. I want to live with eternity in mind. This matters. Lord, I just pray you speak to us. Call out people. Compel us. Move us. Lord, I pray we respond right now. We would sing and we would worship. We would bow down. We would block out the rest of the week. This is the Lord's day, the first day of the week. You're worthy of our attention. We would give everything we have to you right now. Get beyond the music style, the this, the that. Help us to focus and help us to be spiritual. Mind of the spirit right now. Jesus' name.